Welcome to the Fabric Podcast. This is a conversation about growth, and we're calling it It's Hard Not To. It seems like we love to make it hard on ourselves and feel like the odds are against us, and we are facing great and unique challenges as individuals and as a society, but when it comes to growth, it's going to happen. Does that mean we don't have any work to do? No need for practice? Of course not. And that's why we want to welcome you into this conversation. We can't gather like this as people who really care about the world and ourselves without acknowledging what's going on right now. The shooting in Maine, um, then the war um, between Israel and Hamas in the, West, in, um, the Gaza Strip and potentially involving the larger Middle East. Um, you know, I, I don't want to uh, make any statements on any of these things because that's not my job, but I, I, do, I do know and thinking about Maine is uh, there's a problem with guns, there's a problem around mental health, there's a problem around community. We, we need places where people are known by others and where they know others so that we have this not accountability, not only accountability, but support and care for one another and so on that's just intrinsic to society. And that is something that's really eroded and fallen apart. It's, it's one of the reasons we started Fabric, to be a place uh, full of meaning and, and purpose where you know others and you are known by others. Just It's so important so many levels of life, which is one of the reasons why it's important for this community, community to thrive, but also for us to help start other communities where people are known and know others. And that's tough. It, it's really important for us. So thinking about the Middle East, uh, again, um, you know, this has been going on for not only decades, but actually centuries uh, between his, um, Jews and Muslims and whatever. And it's so much bigger than that. It is so much beyond who is right and who is wrong in this situation. I think any time when we as groups or as nations start focusing on um, retribution or vengeance, we know something is wrong. Um, when national priorities are about security and defending ourselves from our neighbors, we, for any reason other than very short term, while we are on the road to longer term, more enduring, more um, practiced, um, um, plans of getting along with one another, coexisting, helping raise up the neighbors around us so that we can be community. Whenever that isn't what we're about, we know that something needs to change. Like I said last week, there's nothing you can do, there's nothing I can do that will change that, but I think it is also safe to say that if we're not able to practice those things at home and in our families, in our schools, in our businesses, in our own communities, there's little chance that it's going to be able to be practiced on the national scale. So let's practice it at home and let's let our arms spread wide. Let's um, make the ripples of that stretch out to the world around us. And any place you have influence, please exercise that right now. Yes, that's just thinking about all that, holding all that, that's a lot of stuff. And let's just take 10 seconds and center, breathe, consider how you can be a part of uh, spreading peace in the world. Think of those families and the victims in Maine. And may that be so. So welcome. Um, we are talking about it's hard not to. We've been talking about these weeks, uh, these next five weeks, last week, and then for three more, we're talking about that. We're talking about these important parts of life that really you and I were created to be able to do that. I mean, created in the sense like we are designed. The way we work makes these really big, important human things just be natural for us. We 
It's, it's hard not to do them. The problem is we get let all kinds of things get in our way of them. We, we have like illusions, myths that we start believing in and so on that makes us think that it's a lot harder than it, has, than it really is to, to be what we're really called to be and what we can be all about in our lives. In fact, we get to this idea that like, to be a real spiritual person, to, be, to have real substance in my person, to be a, a person of true character, you know, that's... That's for the rock stars of humanity. That's for, you know, someone with the capabilities of an Olympian, you know, Olympic human being that's going to be able to do this. And and I'm here today, I'm here today to help us all regain both the vision and the ambition that it doesn't have to be that way, that we can do this much easier than we always, than we tend to think it is. Hey, great. Uh, Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, yeah. So what if I told each of you that there was something that any one of you could have that is the closest thing to a guarantee that life would turn out okay for you? I mean, better than a huge income, as nice as that would be, we all know how that can backfire on us. It would be better than great health insurance, a healthy diet, regular exercise. After all, the statistics tell us that it's still a 100% mortality rate. Better than living in the right neighborhood. There are a lot of nice places to live out there, but I don't care what your address is, there's no way of keeping the real world out if that's what you're hiding from. And what if I told you that this something could be had by any one of you if you wanted it, including you? It would uh, allow you to be at peace even when you're in turmoil, allow you to feel content even when you don't have enough. You could be fulfilled even if you aren't noticed. You could know joy even when things aren't going well. It could even take the sting out of regret and the fear out of death. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. I'd be interested. Thought you might be interested. Well, what is this thing? That thing is spiritual maturity. Yeah. So I'll let you take it from there. Thanks. (laughs) You're welcome. Um, Hmm. Yeah, spiritual maturity. You know, could it really do all that sort of stuff? I, um, the fact that you're here today or you're on the podcast or the live stream probably means that, yeah, you know, spiritual development is sort of on your radar. It's something you care about. And uh, if it really can deliver all the stuff that he says it could, and uh, he seems to be a pretty smart guy. I bet he's right. Um, well, then it would kind of be worth going after, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, I, I think maybe it would. So... You know, this, this truth is that the spiritual growth sort of things feels like maybe it's so hard and we've made it so hard, but really, maybe it's really very simple. We've been talking about it, like I said, and last week we talked about just kind of, well, what is spiritual growth? And we try to realize, like, it's not something that is so hard, so different. One of the basic things we said is that you are already spiritual. Everybody is spiritual. You are a spiritual being. You cannot help but have spiritual thoughts, meaning thinking beyond yourself, asking big questions, wondering about your place, wondering about what would be a fulfilling thing for yourself. Those are spiritual questions, and you, it's hard not to have them. We also talked about the fact that um, you know, the spirituality we're called to isn't to somehow, you know, get rid of your humanness so that you're better than that or go beyond your humanness, transcend it so that you're some enlightened being that isn't restricted or held back by a body and stuff. No, 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 no. You are a human with all of its messiness and spirituality is messy. It just means that you're truly in touch with the world, the real world, the way it is, and there aren't always right answers. There's not always the right thing to do. There's a lot of catch-22s in the whole thing but you live in that, and you're okay with that, and you're doing that, and you're growing with all of that. 
We also talked about the fact that your spiritual growth isn't another kind of additional growth you have to do. Like, you're supposed to grow up what, intellectually, emotionally, re- relationally, uh, intellectually, I can't remember which ones I mentioned, but physically, all those sorts of ways. You grow up in all those ways, and then you're supposed to also grow up spiritually, like one more thing you have to do. No, 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 no. Spirituality isn't another category of growth. It is simply all of the kinds of growth that you have going on in your life all coming together and weaving themselves together so that you're whole. It's being a whole person in the world and, and letting that simply be your presence. We used a definition, we've used this definition actually for a long time with fabric, and that is that what is, you know, what is spiritual growth? It is the process of aligning your whole self with God's image inside of you. The process of, of um, aligning your whole self with God's image inside you. And it's a process, right? It isn't like, oh, I wasn't and now I am. No, it's you're going to spend your whole life doing this. And you're going to go up and down, forward and backwards. You're going to progress, have progress and you're going to have regression. It's okay. That is how growth works. And that's okay. And, and you know, we talked about aligning with, you know, God's image inside you. That's, you know, a reference to humankind being created in God's image, that what is that image, God's image inside of you? Whether you want to think about that in religious terms or just more like, I'm, I'm woven into this fabric of the universe. There's something about me that is part of all things. And, and the more I can identify that, the more that I can see that, the more I, that I can be at peace with that, the more I'm woven in. The healthier I am, the more whole I am, the more I'm able to be a part of all sorts of things. So... Um, that weaving then, which spiritual growth seems to be, weaving ourselves with all things, seems to bring up this type of spiritual growth that I want to talk about today. And that is, it's hard not to connect. The spiritual growth assumes connection. It assumes coming together. And it's really hard not to connect. Just think of all the ways you have connected today already. Um, when you were walking, you were connecting with the ground. Every breath you take, you're connecting with the world. Uh, when you stopped at a stoplight on your way here, hopefully you did, if you had one. Um, you know, you were connecting with uh, society and community and how we function, um, dealing with your family, maybe the checkout, uh, who knows what else, but you are connecting constantly with other people. It's hard not to connect, right? And, and when we bring our whole selves, we find that, well, you know, connecting the way we want to isn't so hard either, but nonetheless, we struggle with it. We struggle with it a lot. Um, but, it, but that we need to connect and that we actually do know how to connect is a no-brainer. I mean, you are doing it all the time. You know how to do it. In fact, it's impossible not to do it. So one of the things, and you'll find this on that outline in the back of your Sunday paper. If you want to use that, you're welcome to. It's there. Uh, some people find it helpful to hear and to see and to write something. Um, other people, you know, just gets in your way. That's fine. No problem. Uh, the biggest thing is that maybe you'll make some notes on there for yourself. That's what's really valuable, valuable your own ideas that you'll be keeping track of and so on. But, but the thing that I want us to realize is that your spiritual growth means, in fact, I would say it requires connecting with other people. Well, that's great. You know, spiritual growth means connecting with other people. That's fine. I like to connect with other people. But there's a second half to that sentence. It means connecting with other people, including people that aren't like you, all right? People that aren't like you, and that's not always so much fun, right? I mean, no, that can be pretty hard, in fact. I've tried to make this point quite a few times, um, and I'm using very figurative language here when I say this, but 
when God created you, or I should say, after God created you, God broke the mold, all right? And it wasn't because you're so great and you're the perfect one and, you know, never going to try it again. No, it's just because one of you is enough, all right? You know? Yeah. One of you is enough. And then one of each of us needs to be enough. And that's an important thing to remember. So connecting with people that aren't like us is simply intrinsic to connecting with other people. It's really what you look at at someone, right, that makes them different than you or the same as you. So the thing is, we like connection with other people who are like us, and we fear connection with people who aren't. Now, that fear may not be like I'm scared, but what does it mean? I mean, maybe connecting with some people that they're not like me is like, that's uncomfortable, or it's inconvenient, or... I don't enjoy it, or that's a lot of work to do that, and oh, they don't understand me. Or sometimes it's way more pejorative, like you just can't believe that they would say, think, do the things that they do, and you just don't have any respect for them at all. I mean, you, and you see the way the person that they are being some kind of a, what, a moral failure on their part, or a, um, yeah, you know, some sort of thing that's intrinsically wrong in them. And whether you would ever say it out loud to that person or even say it aloud to yourself, you in your higher hearts kind of believe that the world would be a better place without them. And the you know, flip side of that coin is the world would be a better place with more of me. But remember, God broke that mold for a reason. Um, anyway, so one of the things that goes on there is that we do some overestimating and some underestimating. We overestimate how hard it is to be around people that aren't like us. We underestimate how much energy we're putting keeping those people out of our lives. I mean, all of us are spending a lot of energy protecting our world so that we can stay in a comfort zone. We, do, we underestimate how much energy and how much structure, how much of our finances, how much of our daily routine we put into making sure we're around people like ourselves. And we underestimate maybe how hard it would be to be around those people. We also overestimate how different those people are from us, or what is different from us, and we underestimate how much we have in common with anybody and everybody on this planet. So, I remember um, a mentor um, of mine one day when I was complaining about the people who weren't like me that I felt were in my way, and I really didn't have any need of them, and this mentor said to me, Greg, there's no person you can't learn from. You just need to learn the right question to ask. Yeah, that kind of helped put some of those in place for me. So anyway, connection, when we get along, we call it unity, right? When you connect with other people and you all get along, we call that unity. And we want unity, we want unity. I, mean, I don't know anybody who's not in favor of unity, but we want it, uh, assuming that it's based on people being like us, right? We like unity around, you know, if everybody's more like me, this would be so much easier and the world would be so much a better place. And the problem is the Bible and the world have a very different concept of unity. In fact, I would suggest that, uh, you know, that it's radically different. In spiritual growth, being whole, aligning ourselves with all things, is encouraging us to learn this. Growing spiritually means learning the connection between individuality and community. We don't put those together too much. We, we think of them as an either-or. Either I am an individual and I exercise that in the world, or I am in community. And actually, they need to belong together. They need to belong together. Your individuality is looking for unity that reflects yourself, but that's seldom how it works. 
doesn't happen that way. Um, in marriage or being a couple, um, it's interesting. We sort of think that when you're going to find someone you're going to spend your life with, you want to find someone who's like you. But sociological studies have really dived into this, and they have found that what most people do is that when we you know, couple with that person that we're going to spend a long time with, so we find someone who is on the outer edges of the world that we understand. Now, that doesn't mean... Um, you know, that doesn't just mean like, mean like social, economic, or racial, or whatever, but like how they think. Are they, um, you know, internal processor or an external processor? Are they verbal or are they thinking, you know, uh, uh, inner, inner mind thinker and things like that? How do they solve problems? Uh, what are the sort of things that they appreciate? I mean, always we need some things in common to be able to get to, but we look for someone who's on the outer edge inside the world that we kind of understand that still makes sense to us, but on the outer edge of it. I mean, if you think about it, it makes sense, right? Because that person's really interesting, right? I mean, they're bringing things, they care about things, they're excited about things that are new to you, and that's exciting, that makes them attractive. They widen your world, and what they really do is that they give you a whole nother set of skills, right? If you're, if you're a parent and you're trying to raise kids, you know how much a different way of thinking is helpful to understanding your kids and knowing how to parent them. If you're trying to solve problems in your own life, having your set of skills and bringing them is really important. But if you have another person in your life who has another set of skills and is good at exercising those, wow. And rather than telling them, don't do that because that's not how I do it, say, I think it's your turn, right? So um, that's really valuable. It also drives couples crazy, right? Because they don't see things the same way. They don't behave the same way. When I'm verbal, she's cerebral. And when, you know, yeah, um, you know, all that happens too. But that's real life, right? That's what we put up with to have those benefits. That's being human with each other. It's frankly being deeply spiritual. We think we would like someone who's just like ourselves. You think you would like to be with someone just like you. But let's face it, if the two of you are the same, one of you is redundant, all right? So, I'll let you two choose. Um, nature's the same way. I mean, look at how nature plays things out. Does nature work on uniformity and similarity? No. Nature does the wild variety pathway of things. If you, if you want to think about God designing the world, um, you know, which is a very what, literal way of understanding it, but if you look at the grand design of how, how the universe begins and what populates our world and how life develops, I mean, it's, it's a story of wild, crazy, almost reckless variation. The world has, according to scientists, they're estimating 600 to 700,000 species of beetles. Just, just beetles. We have 10,000 um, species or more of birds, many of which are not even named yet. Frankly, I think one or 2,000 would be enough, right? No, but we've got to go for 10,000. I mean, it's just so much. If you think about the fact how DNA works in each and every one of us, we are able to be on a planet with 8 billion people, and no two of us are the same. I mean, is there, is there a vote in the world that exists for variety or for sameness, similarity? I think it's pretty clear that it is for, um, for variety. So, um, you know, if you think about things, what is the typical landscape on our planet? Or what is the way to have fun? What's the best kind of personality? How does community work? What is the, sh the shape of community in our world? 
There is no answer to any of those questions because, well, under what situation? And, you know, it's, it's just so many variables. There's not one. It doesn't work that way. It is just full of variety. So, you know, spiritual growth, being whole, aligning ourselves is just huge. And that is, you know, how it happens. And it, it gets messy and it gets varied and it becomes something that we live with and we deal with and we keep our open arms around. So why do we try to continue to create community with people that are just like us? Well, one is, I think, because we think it's going to be easier, but maybe it is, but it produces nothing when we do it. Maybe that's why it was easier, right? We think it works better, and actually it almost never does. I mean, it, it fails to be able to deal with different kinds of situations, or maybe it shoots at nothing. We also think it's going to keep us in our comfort zone, and we like to be in our comfort zones. But if there's anything that this world lets us know, or if you want to think religiously, spiritually, there's nothing about the Bible that makes any of us think that we are going to be left in a comfort zone. No, that, that's a deadly place. That's a place of static. That's a place of not adapting. That's, not, that's a place of just being who you were yesterday while the world moves on. And uh, comfort zone isn't where we're going to be. So here's the deal. Here's the deal, and this is really the premise of what this community was developed on, and that is that there can be unity without uniformity, right? There can be unity without uniformity, and we need to be able to get there with that. Um, This is a jigsaw puzzle. There. I mean, isn't that crazy? Doesn't that, when you're going to do a jigsaw puzzle, so you take the box and you dump it all out on the table, and you just go, oh, (laughs) like... That is just nuts. That is crazy, right? How am I going to deal with that? So you start flipping all the pieces up so they're face up and stuff like that. But gradually, it becomes this, right? All these, I mean, do you want a world where every, I mean, do you want to open the box and find there is 1,000 of the same jigsaw puzzle piece inside? I mean, that's useless. What are you going to do with that? You know, you can't. That's not going to make a picture. But this, all together, when you put it together, it makes something beautiful. It makes something wonderful with it. Um, Yeah. So, like I said, the Bible is trying to get us to understand this from the very, very beginning. I would say this idea that there is unity without uniformity is in the very first chapter of the Bible, and it goes all the way through it. It's one of those underlining messages that are constantly going to be there. But there's one place where it's like just said as loud and clear as possible. And I, I want to share with you, because I think it's neat to know that 2,000 years ago, people were trying to deal with the mess that people were finding in community as, as they were trying to create some unity and it needed to be spoken to, just you know, named out loud and talked about. So Paul, who was this guy who was taking the message of Jesus and trying to help communities wrap their arms and heads and hearts around it, he wrote this. He's, he, he says this, For just as the body is one and has many members, right? One of mine being broken. Um, just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, they all make up one body, so it is with Christ. So, so it is with we who are gathering together under this name of Jesus, right? Trying to understand what, how he's guiding us, how he's trying to help us understand the world that we're a part of. For in the one spirit we are all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, you could add whatever dichotomy you want, men or women, gay or straight, um, Arab or Israeli, you know, you can add whatever you want there. And we are all made to drink of one spirit. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as God chose. 
because there are important roles for each of them to be there. And so we're prepared for that. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor can the head to the feet, I have no need of you. I mean, to me, that's pretty clear. It's pretty clear that it's going to be a little bit of a mess, and we're all in this together. Basically, what I think it's saying is that unity through similarity is redundancy. Unity through diversity is the body of Christ. I'm using Paul's language, right? The body of Christ. The, the people gathered together with this vision, this three-stranded vision of um, weaving their lives with their true self and with others and with God with that third strand together. I mean, that is uh, unity through diversity. It's all about teamwork. It's not about competition. It's all about teamwork. It's not about competition. It's not about I'm the right way, you're the wrong way. All of us are works on a progress. None of us pull it off, pull off being the piece to the puzzle that we're supposed to be as well as we could. And that's why it's a lifelong process of aligning ourselves with God's image that is within us. Um, but nonetheless, we need each other. So the heart of the connection between individual and community comes down to this. This is using some images we've used before, trying to put the pieces together, okay? And that is we become a well-rounded community. We become well-rounded as a community, because that's what we hope to do. We'd like to be a well-rounded community, right, together. But how do we do that? We do that by joining our well-lopsided individuals together. Now, we talk about this quite a bit. You know, as individuals, we think, well, you know, that's the goal, right? You're supposed to be balanced. You're supposed to be well-rounded individual. And I'm highly skeptical of that. I've never seen anybody pull it off very well, unless they're using smoke and mirrors, you know? The fact is, you are lopsided. You're supposed to be lopsided because you're really good at some things. You're really aware of some things. You're the person. You live where you are and have the experience you've had, and you are well-lopsided. So don't you know, so be well-lopsided. That's okay. We need well-lopsided people in this world. That's good. And when you add all of our well-lopsidedness, as long as we see it as teamwork rather than competition, as long as we embrace each other's lopsidedness rather than trying to decide who's in and who's out because you either like me or you're not like me, you're lopsided the way I am or you're not lopsided in the way I am, as long as we don't do that altogether, we become pretty well-rounded. I mean, that's a vision of community that's not based on similarity, but it's based on diversity. And that's what I think we're trying to reach for, and that's what we're trying to be. Um, so let that soak in. Uh, it's essential for us to realize that you are essential, you are part of the whole, but you are not the whole. So here at Fabric, before we ever started this community, before our very first gathering ever, um, I sat down and said, these are some core commitments that I want to have be foundational to the community that we're going to create. And one of them is this, that we focus on the mission that unites, not the details that divide. Details will always divide us, right? Always. I don't care who you are. If you talk long enough, you're going to find something with someone else that you don't agree with and you think is a non-starter. But we're not going to focus on that. We're going to focus on a mission that unites, not those details that divide. And we value unity and diversity, not conformity, not similarity. Right? That's foundational. That, a community that can embrace that, that is always aspirational. We will never get there. But we will, you know, we try to build things into 
the fabric of our culture that helps us stay there and helps us keep asking that question and keeping that fresh for ourselves. And when we're doing that, we're, we're growing, we're stretching, we're not shrinking in order to, you know, uh, you know, only all be well lopsided in the same way or something like that and have a community that only reflects that. It helps us to be bigger and fuller people. And when you or I miss that, then we've let our fear of what? We've let our fear of the unfamiliar. We've let our fear of the uncomfortable. We let our fear of the unpreferred on our part uh, get in our way and keep us from growing. And we've lost the gifts that the community needs. Yeah. So you see, and this this is a, a big, I think, important idea for us to hold on to. Unity isn't about being the same. Unity is about being held together by something. You don't form unity out of similarity. You form it out of something else, something bigger than you that pulls you together. Something that holds you together even though you are different. So the question might come to your mind, well, what holds fabric together? What holds fabric? What are the threads that make us community and help us to grow and be supportive and helpful and value one another. We decided from day one it wasn't going to be doctrines, that we all believe the same thing because we don't, and I don't think we need to. I'm highly skeptical of anybody who says, this is what I believe. Don't tell me what you believe. Let me see your life, and I'll tell you what you believe. Um, it isn't going to be traditions. So I, last week we blew up our gathering and did it entirely differently because we don't want to get stuck with a formula, right? We go to the falls in the summertime. We do all kinds of things, all right? It isn't going to be on traditions. It isn't going to be on style. Um, it isn't going to be on, you know, social, economic, racial characteristics, although probably that's one of the things that we struggle on, having as much diversity in our midst as we'd like to. No, what is holding fabric together is our mission. We're held together by a common mission. What is that mission? Um, and in fact, I would say, you know, in that reading from 1 Corinthians of Paul's, when it says, you know, the one spirit, and it talks about, you know, we're drinking that one spirit, I would say that that spirit is a rough translation of the mission, right? When we are gathered together by that mission, what, in um, church language, how God has called us together, right? The spirit that God has given to this community, that mission that God has given to us community. So what is, what is our mission? It's got three pieces. You may not know it by heart. You probably don't know it by heart, but I bet you recognize all of it. One is that we create community out of significant relationships. That's our number one thing. We create community out of significant relationships. And how do you know what a significant relationship is? We use these shorthand words, share, care, trust, and grow. Where we share vulnerably with each other. We care about each other. We know how to care about each other. We care for each other. Um, we develop lines of trust among one another so that we can be real and we can show up for each other. And then the basis, the pr- reason we do it isn't just to have fun. Hopefully we have fun, but it's in order to grow. Share, care, trust, and grow. On Sunday morning, I hope you experience that. I hope you experience that these are people that, they, I think maybe these are my people, even though they look very different than me in some ways, but these are my people, and I think I can share, care, trust, and grow with these people. And then if you're in a group, which I hope you find a way to be a part of that, that is a place where that really takes hold because that's a small enough group of people you can really develop that sort of thing with. And then I hope you take it into your life, right? So that you start sowing the seeds of share, care, trust, and grow in your relationships at home and at work and at school and your neighborhood and everything 
to help that ripple out into the world and reshape our world the way it could be. So that's the first one, creating community with significant relationships. The second thing is we have conversations that matter. We gather and build relationships around conversations that matter. And we not only talk about them, but we work on putting them, into, putting them to work in our lives. So creating community of significant relationships, conversations that matter. And the third is, and all of that is being done in a three-stranded way. Weaving those three strands of true self, the world around us, people, all things, and with that third strand, that which is bigger, beyond, between, beneath, around, within all of us, often just referred to as God. So I'd say those are the three pieces. Anyway, um, these three uh, will all do it differently for us. Each one of us are going to be doing that differently, but each of us are working on doing that together and creating community out of the whole thing. The last you know, piece that I really want to share about that is than our relationship between individuality and community, right? Because you've got your needs and we have our needs. And this is basically what it comes down to, that um, your spiritual health depends on this community's health. Uh, the healthier we are as a larger community, the less obstacles you have to being a healthy person and to be growing spiritually yourself. And the more spiritual you are, the more you, you continue to mature in your spiritual life, the more you're able to com contribute to a, to a community like this and help us be a spiritual community. You depend on us. We depend on you. We all depend on each other coming together and helping this be a community that is healthy. It's a reflection of God's image that we all share in our own different puzzle piece sort of way. Thanks for listening. May this simply be the start of the conversation. Reach out if you want help connecting with a group virtually or in the Twin Cities and tag at Fabric MPLS with your own thoughts on social media. You can also stay up to date and find other resources on our website, fabricmpls.com.